Welcome to Splunk Talk, a Splunk podcast that's all about Splunk and no junk. I'm your host, Birch. And I'm Hal. And in the producer's corner, <laughs> we don't have Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy's um, not here today, so uh, it's, it's like Jeremy's asleep, you know. You know, let's let's uh, do wild and crazy things. So we're trying live streaming without Jeremy. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and this is episode season two, episode four, three, four, three or four. It's a short one. Yeah, and let's call it um, episode four, episode four, a new hope. Sure, yeah, that's good. Um, and soon we're going to be joined by Jason Hopka. But before we get into that, um, let's selfishly talk to each other. I like that idea. So um, what do you think about the whole live streaming uh, concept? Is this your first time? I, I think this might be my first time. Okay. And um, I do like... But you're Mike, no, you know, stranger to the stage. I'm no stranger to the stage. So. Um, but the digital stage, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh, I like Mike's um, comment in the, in the live stream. Hey guys! Don't forget to subscribe <laughs> and hit the like button. I, I think that's right the tone he there, was we for. got a point yeah. to where it is. There's the like button. Yeah, I am totally not going to go and create real buttons in the video like like that. I uh, I I like the idea. Like, no, we'll just point. I'll just point to it yeah. where it is on the screen, and then like in a year, Google will <laughs> change the YouTube layout, yeah. and it'll be like, why is he pointing to the unsubscribe button or the <laughs> Uh, flag this for adult content (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you know it's 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 fine i mean the point here is that uh we're just uh hanging out and talking about uh cool things related to splunk in some vague fashion yeah vague fashion yeah that's what that is up to lately vague by the way vague fashion I, i believe is is what the name of my style is called yeah i wear i wear vague fashion i wear merrill's Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with them? Just Lynch. No, this would be a brand of shoes. I meant financial services. Yeah, I was talking about shoes. Okay. So, uh, question. Um, Keds? Uh, no, it's been a while. Okay. I mean, I'm open to it if there's some <laughs> particular... <laughs> if, someone ones, were to send, if someone were to send us Keds... There we go. Open to it. <laughs> it's on my wish list, guys. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, no, for for real though, um, what have you been up to lately? Oh, what have I been up to? Um, doing a lot of uh, publishing content over on our uh, answers channel. Yeah. Uh, working with my team to get a lot of a lot of stuff from the essentials apps over there. Awesome. Um, and I, I just noticed uh, Jason just joined us. We so. have a guest, Jason. Yes, we have a guest. Well, let's um, we'll get to him in just a second. Hold, yeah. please. Uh, we see you there. It's it's lovely. Thank you for turning the camera. Yeah, quiet, on, quiet down, quiet down, Jason. <laughs> we will pivot to Jason momentarily. How about that? Yeah. So, um, how about um, you? How are you doing? Uh, busy, but it's starting to slack down. Uh, you know, lower down. You know, in intensity. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. going into the holiday season. Um, so. You know, it's basically, you know, I'm, I'm sales engineer. You know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, uh, right now, training. Thinking about, you know, like, because like, you have a little bit of town time, you can put some training stuff in you've been trying to get done. Um, you know, basically, uh, that's most of what I've been doing between customer calls. And, and by training, you're talking about um, your Jedi a lot too. Yes, yes, I am on the train. I did print, um, uh, 3D print, uh, yeah. Baby Yoda. I oh, should have brought it with me and put it on camera, but it's um. It's Do you have a baby papoose or a baby hovering egg? No, I've I've not actually. Okay, so for all I've watched is the opening scene of the Mandalorian at this point. All so right, I don't even know what over. I'm talking about. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about it, but well, my speaking wife of is not the Mandalorian, Jason was the person who <laughs> made sure that I was watching it. Really? So okay. that probably is a pretty good segue let's, for us to bring him in. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And and let's make sure that I want to watch it. Keep, you got to keep the pressure on because I, I don't pick up, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. So with that, oh, hey, Jason, how's it going? Good. How are you? I am excellent. Excellent. Yeah, you definitely should watch The Mandalorian. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I love the pacing of it and uh, all of the cinematography. 
and the shots. There's some really good stuff in there. So I have a question. Yes. Is so the the theme that I got from the opening scene, which I'm sure you're familiar with. I've watched it like three times already. Um, uh, you, and it was a bit of space cowboy. Mm-hmm. And I loved loved Firefly. So is someone that loved Firefly going to see some any similarities at all? Anything that they're going to look at and say, oh, okay, that's I'm glad to be watching the show. So I th- Ed, I have to admit I've never seen Firefly. I've seen some of the movie. All right, um, next. Okay, so <laughs> I can and answer that's it for this today. question. Um, <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. Like okay. there was there was definitely more than one moment while watching The Mandalorian where I was like, wow, they really went back to um, Lucas's vision of this basically being a space western. And space westerns were never really fully explored. Like westerns had their time. They're not gone, but you know they're not as big as they you know were. And space westerns could have filled a gap there. And Star Wars, you know, you could argue whether or not he you know fulfilled it or not, whatever. But well, there's you know, one critical problem with a space western. What's that? Um, it's well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the one critical problem with a space western is that you can never duel at high noon because you're not. Oh yes, interesting. That's I true. Yeah. But I, I do agree that it, it definitely has that space Western feel to it. Okay. Um, the pacing, you know, if you watch some of the older Clint Eastwood movies, mm-hmm. you know, the man with no name series, I mean, it has that type of pacing, that moral ambiguity in the main character. Uh, it's really good. Okay. I'm going to our... try that angle with my wife because we were super fans of Firefly, which I think was the last best space Western. So I'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, I, I likened it to for for some of our younger listeners to like Breaking Bad meets Star Wars because it's like dancing on the edge of like what is what is moral, what is ethical, mm-hmm. what's right. And okay. that's cool. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. I'll, I'll definitely uh, try and make that happen. We'll see. For, for all I know, you know, this time Monday, it'll be like, OK, guys, I, I caught up. <laughs> it's, it's all it's all in hand. Well, um, episode six dropped today, so uh, all right, I you're only six behind. Yes. But, um, now that we are the last the podcast to talk about the Mandalorian, <laughs> <I'm sure>. um, <laughs> uh, Jason, yes. uh, Jason and I go go way back. Uh, so let's start with the way current. Um, tell us, tell us about yourself. What's your what's your job function? What Sure. you do at what Why is it you say you, you do here? here? Oh yeah, that's a good one. What I claim to do at Splunk mm-hmm. is uh, I'm part of our Splunk community team, and so overall we're the team that's in charge of a lot of our programs that involve um, folks external to the company, customers, partners um, that are getting together at local user groups or um, also. Um, Splunk Answers, our question and answer website, where the community can go for help. Uh, we get involved with um, the community Slack as well. And, and so we kind of foster those programs and, and help grow those. And uh, probably one of my personal favorite is the Splunk Trust. And so the Splunk Trust is our MVP program. And, you know, in the past few months, uh, I've really had a lot of um, time to focus just on the Splunk Trust, especially leading up to our recent, see, look, Hal has his Fez. I have a Fez around here somewhere. So I could show as an example, um, but and I'm the, a uh, fanboy. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I was I was lucky hey, guys, enough. It's to, difficult with the headphones. I got to say, I'm yeah, gonna, I'm going to abandon that effort. Yes, um, the uh, you know the Splunk Trust is just it's a great MVP program, and um, I don't know how much you want me to get into the history right now, but um, you know I'm pretty honored to uh, be able to help facilitate this group and and. Um, yeah. Well, I think that yeah, cool actually that's exactly where I want to go. Um, okay. It's not the only thing I want to do, uh, however. So I want to step back a little bit and say, what um, what drew you to Splunk initially? Have you always been doing the community work? Um, you know, kind of where were you coming from? Sure. So prior to Splunk, and this is where Birch talked about us going way back, is uh, I used to be a Splunk architect at one of our customers. And Birch was actually my sales engineer for oh, I didn't know that. his account. Yeah. So... Um, and we we worked together for I don't know a year and a half or so virtually, 
um, because he was based in Boston and I'm based in Denver, Colorado. And so we had never met. And it was at .com for 16 uh, down in Florida that we got to meet for the first time. And and it was great. You know, we kind of saw That's each cool. other and ran and gave each other a big hug. And it was, it was awesome being able to see each other the first time. You're, you're really diminishing some of the, the drama that got us there because we were supposed to meet a year prior. Yes. And what, what happened, Jason? So what happened is I decided to learn how to skateboard as and before an you tell adult. us, before you tell us how that worked out, did you have any reason that you would be emotionally invested in making that conf? Uh, event yeah, event. so at .com 2015, I was actually supposed to uh, speak in a breakout supposed session. Supposed to? Spoiler yeah, alert. Exactly. And so um, I decided to learn how to skateboard. And within like two weeks, I broke my ankle. Mm-hmm. So don't try that at home, kids. And the uh, I ended up the, not traveling to .com. So. Did, did you um, basically make a transition from a skateboard to that little scooter that you ride on with your knee? Not quite that bad. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't that bad of a break, but um, at the time, you know, it was, it was right before .conf, and it was best that I didn't travel, and um, so I ended up skipping .conf 2015, and uh-huh. didn't get to meet Birch. It was <laughs> one of the sadder days of my life when I had to make that decision. No doubt. Actually, one of the Saturdays of my life is the day that comes before Sunday. Saturday! <laughs> uh, Birch, cracking me up. You're too I'm not going to say good one. I'm, I'm just going to let it, let it pass. Yeah. I, I always <laughs> laugh at Birch's jokes, so I tend to encourage him. <laughs> um, so, so we, we finally met and uh, what, what uh, tell, pick us up where, where oh, you left so, off in terms of your spunk tenure. Yeah. So um, at the time, um, you know, I, I was kind of interested in other opportunities involving Splunk, not necessarily Splunk, the corporation, but um, you Spunk know, just flamethrower. Exactly. You know, Did just flamethrower. Did I miss a memo? <laughs> that would merchandising, be merchandising. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's just oftentimes you look at your career and say, where can I go with the skills that I have? And so I was looking elsewhere and um, uh, another close Splunk employee, friend of mine, Nate McCurvey, um, told me about a position that was open within marketing as a technical product marketing manager. And so I applied for that and got the job. And when I came in, I ended up not doing that job. Um, They shifted uh, the role to be more around kind of um, advocacy and and essentially community. It wasn't on the community team, but it was interacting with our community. And that eventually steered its way into where I am now on the community team. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And so that I joined Splunk in the spring of 2017. And I've been been here since. So were you involved in technical communities before coming to Splunk? Was that something that you you know, saw as valuable beforehand? So yes and no. Um, I mean, I obviously was a heavy user of Splunk Answers, but more as a lurker. I actually didn't participate a lot as far as answering questions. And, um, you know, part of that was I had my own internal community at the company that I worked with, you know, mm-hmm. as a enterprise level, um, account, it was, you know, we had plenty of folks internally that I interfaced with to help them, um, you know, meet with them regularly, do brown bags, you know, kind of equivalent of maybe like a user group, but internally, um, you know, mentor folks. And so I didn't really have a time, a lot of time to work external to the company with the Splunk community or other tech communities. So the, that's the long answer. The short answer is no, I really didn't have much background in technical communities uh, so prior to coming into this role. Because I, I would have, I don't know, I guess I would have assume, assumed that you know, kind of that passion for technical communities would have led you to where you were, but it sounds like there was more kind of a, you know, the, this happened and that happened mm-hmm. and you kind of fell into it rather exactly. than, you know, su- you know uh, seeked it out. Yeah. Yeah. I tripped and here I am, uh, <laughs> tripped, you know, broke your ankle. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And, well, you know, it's I, been great. I feel like that doesn't, uh, that doesn't do enough justice to your natural propensity. Like you are successful in this role because of who you are naturally. And if you think about it, it's going to get heavy, but in the technology industry, our affinity for such more like social things, things that deviate from just the, the bits and the engineering 
it there's not a lot of like opportunity for that. And so once you got that opportunity where it was like, I can blend the technical with the community, with mm-hmm. that reward I get by having people be successful and, and happy with this, like, shoot, I didn't know that existed. Yeah. And I, that's probably my, the favorite part of my job is, you know, being able to work with folks, um, and, and see where they can go with their career and seeing them be successful and, and, you know, helping in any way I can to remove barriers. Uh, you know, historically, even before coming onto the community team, I always loved uh, kind of being in a mentor role and, and helping teach people. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I've never formally been, you know, a teacher at all, but uh, just being able to share knowledge and, and help somebody be successful in whatever they're trying to do has uh, kind of been a side passion of mine. I mean, I've, you know, me wanting to be in tech and work with computers goes way back from when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, you know, being able to help people be successful has always been important to me as well. And so I think, you know, when Birch, you say about it being kind of a natural fit, I think that plays a big part of it. I mean, it's, I never thought I'd be in this role um, yet here I am. And it, it kind of fits into stuff that I've always enjoyed doing. It kind of reminds me of like when I was a sales engineer here at Splunk and um, it was like, Oh wow, this is so cool. I didn't know this job existed. Otherwise I would have asked for it a long time ago. And like, I, I mean, the, the title sales engineer is probably the worst, the worst part of the role because engineers tend to have an aversion yeah. to the sales part, but that that's where that like ends. And it's what, what you make of it and how much you invest in, in your customers and, and just being a, a trusted partner in that way that can make mm-hmm. it so rewarding. Yes. Yep. So what about uh, kind of kind of same but different question? What about uh, IRC or Usenet or you know some of these mm-hmm. other places where technical community happened before you were involved in this one? So um, again, no, I wasn't really heavily involved in IRC. I did join kind of my first introduction to IRC was with the Splunk IRC community mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and I remember spending a lot of time getting access to it because the company I worked for at the time actually blocked IRC. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was, it was hard getting in. And mm-hmm. so I had stuff on my phone. You know, I had a, a VPN tunnel to kind of get around our own security stuff at work, which then mm-hmm. somebody came and knocked on my door and was like, <laughs> hey, we see you're doing something funny here. So did they um, use Splunk to figure that out? They didn't at the time. But okay. the person who found out, I wouldn't want to cross anyway. He was... Ah very smart security guy. So, so yes. you said, um, let's see if, if I can name them again here. Uh, the, the areas that you're focusing on, we've mm-hmm. got, um, the Splunk trust, we mm-hmm. have the answers website, we have the users groups, uh, user groups rather. Uh, did I miss one? Uh, those are kind of, you know, the big ones, the top three is, okay. is I'd say those are the top three. Um, you know, there's also our, our community Slack as well. Oh, uh, yes. And Actually, so, and, and so, you know, that's very active, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like that, that real-time chat side of community, um, you know, and it's not just me doing all of these things. We have a whole team, um, you know, many of you know, Patrick Pablo and mm-hmm. Renee Woods and Ivania and Anam. I mean, there's lots of people on the team that are kind of working together to do all these different areas. Yeah. But like, which one of those people do you like best? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Actually. Is this being recorded? I don't want to say <laughs> And no. broadcast live. No. Yeah. So, yeah, totally tell us who your favorite child is. <laughs> <laughs> the one that's annoying me the least. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, no, they're, the, all, they're all wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's, that... it's such an amazing team of people that are just passionate about the community. And I think that's uh, one thing, especially in the past year. I mean, the team itself has grown uh, by several folks. And um, it's great bringing in uh, other people that are passionate about watching others be successful. And uh, I think that's kind of a hallmark of, of the foundation of our team is that, um, you know, people are awesome and, and we love seeing that. We love highlighting their successes, you know, especially around our product. Um, and, and it's so, great. 
speaking of highlighting successes, that's something that I always find interesting. I don't know if you're going to sh- be able to share the numbers publicly, but you you let us know. Um, the Splunk Answers website. Can you give us any stats about how it does? You know what what sure. you found about it. Uh, yes. that'd be awesome. So uh, this is a good segue into the Splunk Trust and, and their contribution. And so on Splunk Answers, you know we see we have uh, we kind of group users into two different categories. We have the anonymous user, which is somebody who you know, finds uh, one of the pages on answers via Google or some other search mechanism, doesn't log in. And we have um, thousands and like tens and thousands of of hits from that avenue and anonymous users. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, raw Google page is is in the millions. Several orders of magnitude larger than exactly the opposite. Um, I was to to, uh, make your point concrete and selfishly brag about my own access to the back end. You would not be surprised at all about how much time he steals on the mic from our guests. So (laughs) wait, we have guests. I thought this was all for me. Uh, I have uh, the Birch Birch show. Birch Birch show. We have a a tag that, uh, and we were looking at like the volume of views, like and treating that like, oh, every time someone views this, that's like a customer consumed this content. And then it was like, oh, let's break it out and see how many of them were customers versus employees. And that's when it hit us that it was like 98% of the views were by anonymous users. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that's the one bucket, the anonymous. And there's lots of anonymous views. Uh, enough that you know we've had other teams within the company um, kind of look at that and be like, Wow, you have a very active website. Like it, it's yeah. surprising to folks. Um, and Is then it really? that, yeah, that, that's surprising to me. Wow, that's surprising to me. It's surprising to people because what do people use Google for? It's to answer questions. Exactly. What does the Q and A site have? Answers to questions. Yeah, I mean, my uh, my oldest son is in college uh, studying computer science, and I've kind of told him that dirty IT secret of just look it up on Google. <laughs> that's what everybody does. Right. Right. And, and that's how people get there. And, All and these books that, back here, they haven't been touched. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's faster to, to look it up on a search engine. And so the other side is, is the non-anonymous user. So people who have actually logged in. And we see um, you know, around twelve to 15,000 per month of active, what we call our active users. These are folks that have actually logged in and done some sort of activity on the site, um, whether it being you know, searching for an answer, uh, you know, commenting on a question, asking a question, answering. Um, that's about twelve to 15,000 unique people uh, per month. And of those, and the activity that happens on the site, we see over 20% of it coming from the Splunk Trust. And, and that's a very wow. significant number. And, and I'm talking, especially when we get down to who's actually answering the questions. And and so that's kind of the gravity that the Splunk Trust has around it, the contribution that they, they give back to the community of helping others, essentially, and uh, helping others be successful with Splunk. And so, um, you know, the Splunk Trust themselves, they have, you know, the combined karma, and karma is kind of the, the point system on answers that people earn when they, um, you know, complete imaginary activities. Imaginary internet points. Exactly. There's the imaginary internet points, but... The Splunk Trust, um, the current cohort, uh, has over seven hundred and seventy-five thousand combined karma. So it's uh, what it's percentile sort of, of that is the whole? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the whole is, um, but I would say it's uh, like ninety-eight percent. <laughs> no, I mean it's no. probably not quite that much I, because they're definitely. I want, I on, want to be able to. I want to be able to make the statement like Bernie Sanders, like. The top two percent are causing ninety-eight percent of all the activity on answers. Mm-hmm. Well, I like and, it. Yeah, and the Splunk Trust themselves are, you know, less than a half percent of those active users. Mm-hmm. Wow, way less than half percent. Um, it's actually like point one percent. Um, and so, you know, that's again, it goes back. It's a very significant um, contribution that the Splunk Trust Trust makes to our virtual community, mm-hmm. let alone the in-person community. I mean, a lot of our Splunk Trust are user group leaders. Uh, we had a very successful uh, program at .conf um, a couple months ago called Find a Fez, where attendees could find a Splunk Trust person wearing a Fez and ask them a, a Splunk question. 
um, and and learn something new from from a, a fezware and it was great we i sort mean, of have metrics about that don't we i'm thinking bitcoin well yes. cryptocurrency so we had um in order to you know help drive the find the fez interactions um based on the number of coins that were handed out that we could see uh, we had over 500 find the fez interactions at .com. okay so 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 Jeez. just if someone's watching for the the first time there's a couple things that we probably have to circle back to um the uh so at at dot com our our user uh, wait, wait wait probably one of those things is uh none of us are bernie sanders none that of us are bernie sanders <laughs> um <laughs> uh 0.1 percent of us are bernie sanders 98 percent um at uh dot com our our annual users conference uh, we had uh, actually a couple of events that I'd love to hear more about, like the the ina- uh, inauguration, the um, induction, induction, induction ceremony, thank you. Mm-hmm. or indoctrination. Depends indoctrination. on how you want. Yeah, yeah, depends on how you want to frame it. <laughs> uh, and then also, like we we had this whole incredible activity for the first time where uh, we were giving out pony uh, buttercup box, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, can you tell us? Yeah. So. so, so so what Buttercup Bucks were, um, they are, uh, you know, blockchain-based cryptocurrency that, um, you know, everybody had their conference app on their mobile device and, and a digital wallet associated to it. And when they um, signed in and picked up their badge at the conference, they got a little coin that looked like a poker chip that had a QR code on it. They could scan it with their app and it would put some virtual currency in their wallet and doing various uh, tasks throughout the week at the conference, uh, they were able to earn more of these buttercup bucks. And so and one of those tasks do with those buttercup bucks. Um, so what, what they could do with it is there's a, uh, two main things that I'll highlight that they could do actually three, one, they could trade them with each other. And so using the wallets, they could transfer money, uh, amongst themselves. Uh, another thing they could do is there's actually a subset of the uh, Splunk store that had special swag that you could only purchase with buttercup bucks. And then the third thing that uh, was happening is we had three charities um, and they, uh, people could take their buttercup bucks and, and I say in quote, donate them to a charity. It, it actually went into a pool to see which charity somebody liked the most mm-hmm. and uh, whichever charity had the most buttercup bucks at the end of the week, um, Splunk made a donation to them. And so uh, that was probably one of the biggest usage of Buttercup Bucks is kind of donating to this contest to you know see and what that charity t- we that had a surprising to. or it was it was surprising to me because yes. it, it turned into um, a one woman's mission. Yes, and so that was uh, her name was Caroline, and and that was a lot of fun. Um, so we have we hired her yet? Just no. <laughs> so so Caroline. Um, she was very passionate about uh, stopping human trafficking. And, and because of that, she was keen on making sure that the Global Emancipation Network, one of the charities, won this contest uh, running with Buttercup Bucks. And so uh, we didn't know who she was. We just had kind of a video of her talking about how passionate she was. And kind of through the magic of cryptocurrency, we're able to see her wallet QR code on the video and find out who she was. And we eventually met her, introduced her to the Splunk Trust. And she had been going around soliciting others for their buttercup bucks to say, hey, I'm donating this to make sure this wins. And she had you know, found a couple hundred buttercup bucks so far uh, from folks and making donations to Global Emancipation Network. Well, uh, after she met the Splunk Trust, the Splunk Trust went off and kind of scaled up this effort mm-hmm. of soliciting donations. And um, it, that afternoon, they're able to get like 1200 buttercup bucks for her and, you know, send them to her wallet. And she was able to make this giant donation, which basically clinched Global Emancipation Network for winning that contest. And, you know, it's one of those feel good stories that to me that came out at .conf of, you know, this is the power of the community. It, it isn't just about, you know, Splunk and answering tech questions and stuff like this. This is people that are building relationships and interacting, helping each other make some really cool change. And, and Caroline was so passionate about this whole um, effort 
uh, she ended up uh, being highlighted in the, the closing keynote and Splunk donated extra money to the Global Emancipation Network because of all this passion that, that she had. And it was really great. Yeah, that, that was pretty neat. I mean, if you do the division that, you know, if everybody did just $5, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that, but, you know, that's 240 people mm-hmm. that were touched by, you know, her or ind- indirectly in yeah. order to make that change. So that's pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, overall, when we talk about community, it's, it comes down to these relationships and, and realizing that, you know, we're all still humans. We're not computers. We're not just, uh, implementers of software, that sort of thing. It's we have our own motivations and our own passions. And, and when we come together and kind of help each other out and foster, you know, what we care about and respect each other, you know, some cool things can happen. It's, it's pretty neat. It, it, um, it, it's, it always tickles me the, the, the difference between like, you know, where, where we got the engineering and the bits and like, what can you do with Splunk the product and okay, let's, let's do this Bitcoin thing. I, I don't think anyone anticipated like there would be someone who steps up and puts the human emotion into this program that, that becomes something that we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. Like it could have just been a really cool experiment on its own and we would have admired that. But um, just the confluence of empowering people with technology, uh, it, it's what makes things appear magical. Mm-hmm. The more you know. <laughs> um, yeah, there pretty- are pretty amazing there was another thing that they could do with the buttercup box what was that they um they could take the coins after they scanned them and flick them into the uh oh there uh, was that fountain there was a fake fountain with like a buttercup statue in the middle in the lobby area and no one was putting their coins in there. But the, the con team told me, like, wait, we put that there thinking people, like a wishing well. People would put mm-hmm. their, their coins in it. And they're like, I don't get it. No one wants to. I'm like, have you seen the coins? They're really cool. Like, I would, I, I, like, I don't want to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I have I 35 I, left. Can, can I, you know, what, what do you give me for it? <laughs> I could, what I can do is I can give you uh, Caroline's QR code and you can send it to her wallet. Because, there we go. Um, you know, it's interesting, even though everything was all said and done and Global Emancipation Network had already won, um, at the end of the conference on Thursday, I ran into Caroline again, and she, people were still swarming her, like giving her buttercup bucks, even though it technically didn't matter at that point, but her wallet was up over 10,000 BCB. Neat. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. cool. So, you know, people were sharing uh, the QR code of her wallet on Slack and, and, um, you know, so anybody could donate to it, you know, even if they, you know, didn't run into her in person, but, you know, they saw her on Slack or, you know, whatever they could do it that way. So it's pretty neat. That's awesome. Does anything happen if we give her, if Hal gives her his wallet no, I, at this point? I mean, nothing other than it's kind of like a digital marker of this thing is still going on, this passion and, and, you know, drive to want to help somebody else or at least acknowledge that you know thank you for having that passion and helping you know global emancipation network win how how you should do it um if if only to become a one anomalous blip on the time chart that they eventually run i am in (laughs) so uh let's let's switch uh gears a little bit because i i probably will we should have um nate on the show for sure to talk about what all he's been up to and what led up to, uh, you know, kind of the cryptocurrency angle um, at the conference. Um, and then but, Patrick, hopefully someday we'll have on talk more about um, the community stuff that, that he is mm-hmm. responsible for as well. So I feel like we could go back to Splunk Trust and kind of, you know, kind of hit, close that off as far as like, you know, what the program is, sure. what the accomplishments have been. I know it's, we're kind of end of the year here. So yeah, you maybe have some metrics on hand. Yeah, so uh, a bit of history of the Splunk Trust. It was originally created uh, by a prior director of community, Rachel Perkins. And mm-hmm. so she was, uh, you know, very involved with uh, the community, especially on IRC and answers and, and you know, noticed that folks, there were a regular group of folks that were contributing. And eventually what came about was at um, .conf of 2015 was the first 
kind of Splunk Trust cohort that was inducted, and there were 22 people inducted that year. Um, were there fezzes before that? There yeah. were fezzes before that. And so um, I, from what I've gathered from the history, and some of this is coming from SplunkGallery.com, which is kind of a Splunk history site that- we Had Charlie on a previous episode. Yeah. yeah. So if and, you want to learn more about that and, and Charlie, a, a, a Splunk Trust member that became an employee, um, check out Check out our feed, subscribe below, click here. <laughs> yeah, click somewhere here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so SplunkGallery.com has a lot of this history. Um, but uh, from what I found um, at .conf of, of 2014, the Fezzes were first being um, handed out. And Charlie and Kyle Smith were kind of involved in some of that uh, along with Rachel. And, you know, there's there's kind of this prehistory that that has Fezzes and capes and and, you know, a lot of this kind of hero, um, you know, branding around who the people are that eventually became the Splunk Trust. Those well, I think it was people. half of it was was that we were weird people and we wanted to find the other weird people that were outside of the company because we could socialize together awkwardly better than we could socialize with other humans. Awkwardly. <laughs> so, yeah, awkward. I mean, yeah. it's going to be awkward. But it'll be slightly less awkward if all the awkward ones are in the same room together. And what yeah. better way to do it than to wear something awkward <laughs> and call attention to yourself? Yeah. Well, and that was that was around the time that like we were really heavy into the this premise of calling all the heroes ninjas. So it was like, oh, are you a Splunk ninja? Like you've got a cape, and I think that was before the trust was. Yeah, that was definitely way before. Okay, because that was a Michael Wildism. Ism. Ism. Yeah, but Michael yeah, Wild, former former co-host uh, yes. of the Splunk Talk. Podcast. Yeah, but now we do not talk about Michael Weld. <laughs> he's a verboten. Yeah, no, no. Actually, I love Michael Weld. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, so, so we've grown significantly since that first twenty-two member cohort to this what are we year. At now? We're we're at sixty-six this year. So we've 22. tripled tripled the size from twenty-two to to sixty-six uh, people this year, and. Um, you know, it's, I think over time, we've definitely grown our global presence in Splunk Trust membership. Um, I think that's a, a great thing that's happened over the past several years. And um, so right now we have 66 members from 12 different countries. And, um, you know, it's really great to see that. And, uh, you know, so what percentage of people in the trust are in the trust? for, you know, for what reason? So I know answers contributions, there's user group contributions. So kind of break that down. Sure. And this gets into a bit about the selection process of the Splunk Trust. And so, so historically, uh, what happens is in, um, well, it, it used to be where the Splunk Trust nomination process was open year round. There's kind of a form you could go and either self nominate, or you could nominate somebody else. And, because it was open year round, we ran into some issues with people didn't even know they were nominated. And then we felt bad saying, sorry, we didn't use select you this year. And they're like, what? I didn't For even what? know I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is this Splunk trust you talk about? And um, so we actually kind of closed the year round nominations. And, and now we have kind of the Splunk trust nomination season. And that happens in June. And so we open up the nomination application process and whenever somebody's nominated, we reach out to them and say, Hey, please apply. And people can apply directly as well, but this way we make sure everybody knows mm -hmm. that they're in the process. So and, and what do we call the meeting where we go over the submissions? Yes. So once we get all these applications, we have a, a special meeting called hammer fight. And so mm -hmm. once the submissions close, no, not that kind of hammer. But yeah. when you have hammer time, then that means you're having a hammer fight. Anyway, keep right. going. I guess. So we, um, we have a, a group of um, internal employees that it isn't just the Splunk community team, but there is this kind of extended community guild in a way. And it's a lot of Splunk employees that are regularly involved in the community. And so uh, they meet in this hammer fight meeting and they take all of the applications um, and, and the applications kind of list like, you know, why do you feel you should be in the Splunk Trust? And, you know, all of the nominations that came in that kind of support, you know, whatever their um, kind of 
resume is for being in the Splunk Trust. And uh, the the folks during Hammerfy kind of say, all right, this person should be in. Um, you know, they've done a great contribution on answers, or they run a very successful user group, or you know, perhaps skills. exactly nunchuck skills. So, um, is there is there a challenge in making something that is objective? Yeah, you know, we don't have we don't have a, a set criteria, and that's kind of been something that we've molded around internally is. One, we, you know, as the company grows and our community grows, it's good that the Splunk Trust grows. Um, and, and we don't necessarily want to, you know, sprint to get to someplace that's the size of, say, the Microsoft MVP program. Mm-hmm. You know, that program is huge. And, um, you know, one of the things we really like about the size of the Splunk Trust right now is it's small enough that it's still feasible for people to form great relationships amongst the Splunk Trust. And, uh, and so we don't want to kind of lose that, um, but there is a need to grow things. And, and so we've always talked about like, how do we grow it? Do we um, set a particular number that we want to shoot for? And, and we've kind of said no to that. You know, we want people to get in on their own merits. You know, it's not like we say, all right, we have 66 slots this year. We have to fill them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just more, kind of more organic. Yeah. It's, it's much more organic. I mean, folks, um, you know, overall, it's, you know, it's not like I'm the one that selects anybody. I actually try and pull myself away from the process and let everybody else in kind of this broader community guild, you know, kind of say their two cents and who should come in and who should not. And, and um, you know, it, it grows organically and, and through there, it's. Uh, so, so there's still a burning question that we have not addressed, which mm-hmm. is why the name of the meeting? The hammer um, fight? Yeah. Pull out the hammers. It's, it's hardcore it's business, man. Like, like, I'm going to fight to make sure Hal gets in, and I'm going to bring my hammers. I'm, I'm not. not sure where hammer fight came uh, from. It was Rachel's name, but I don't remember why either. Yeah. I do remember being in it when she said the word hammer fight, but I don't remember why. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, well. Maybe That's Russ. Bring Russ might Hal know. Well, hammer fight. Russ. Russ or Chris. Awesome. Yes. So, end of the day, what would you say are some of your favorite contributions that the Splunk Trust has made to the Splunk community? Well, I, I highlighted the, um, you know, the, their contributions on answers, which I mm-hmm. think is phenomenal. Um, you know, the oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Answers specifically, and maybe we should have Patrick on, and so he can you know, go into you know, kind of the, the thing that he's you know kind of upfront about and that's that's his big thing but um how how much does splunk answers deflect as far as you know like support cases do you have anything on offhand like about that you know i know it's a lot um i don't know off the top of my head and so i don't want to guess and maybe steal some of patrick's thunder in the future but we will um, prepare him exactly you know it's it's definitely a significant amount i mean I was blown away when I heard a statistic like that. And, but this was like four or five years ago yeah. from Rachel at the time. Um, I just know that it was significant. I was like, wow, really? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty I, cool. I did, I did, uh, I started this campaign back, back when I was working with Jason um, as, as my customer, where um, I was really trying to encourage all my customers, like, go, go use answers. Don't wait for me to get back to you. Don't email me and wait for me to get back to you because I, I'm going to give you one perspective. And it's going to take a while because I might be traveling. So use answers instead. And I'm already following you. So I'll get to it as well. And um, to make that argument, I, I was able to get my hands on some data and was and calculated that, let's see if I remember this correctly, the um, time, the 50th percentile time was two hours. So half the questions got an answer within two hours. Wow. And then 95th percentile. So like essentially what, what, well, what's the max you, you know, the, the near max that you would effectively expect on answers was a day. So I was like, wow. yeah, that that's faster than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is very quick um, to get help on answers. And, and it also goes back to what is Splunk support for? You know, when you open a ticket with Splunk support, it really should be for a problem, like a break fix type situation. Uh, if it's like, 
I haven't read the docs. You shouldn't open a ticket, you know, start with docs. You know, our docs are amazing. And if, um, you know, the docs don't quite answer your question, you can always leave a note at the bottom of each docs page and say, Hey, this part is unclear. And the docs team will address that. And then you can jump over to answers and, and maybe look for something that's um, particular to your business use case that you're trying to do. And, uh, and so that sort of deflection of cases that aren't around break fixes and are just, you know, the Q and A's clarifications, the Q and A interaction, um, you know, it's really important to have that community and, um, you know, you know, to cement that connection, um, Chris Gales was honor, got his honorary inclusion at this past uh, induction ceremony, and he, he is did. the uh, the director of our entire docs for Splunk. Um, and I mean, if you, you want to see say, a role model, follow him on. Yeah, on, I, I say this all the time, and I think everyone on here would say the same thing. But uh, we've got a couple people in the live chat right now who are like, "You know, docs are amazing." Shout out to Chris's team. Yeah. yeah, totally agreed. Yep. And that's, you know, you kind of mentioned something, Birch, about the honorary Splunk I Trust. I mention a lot of things. You do. Some of it's important, like the honorary Splunk Some Trust. Of it. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, tell so, us about the honorary, and I want to hear about the indoctrination, induction. Sure. So the, the honorary Splunk Trust, um, you know, it's, it's always been one of those things where um, it's, it's kind of the reverse of Splunk Trust. It's Splunk employees um, who have done great community things as well. And we've never really solidified exactly how they're selected or what it means. We maybe came a bit closer this year by kind of turning it over to the Splunk Trust and say, you select them this year. And, and we actually, you know, gave them a limit of three, you know, select three people. And they had to make some hard decisions. And, um, you know, and, and Chris Gales was one of them. Patrick, um, Oh, yeah. Pablo of Splunk Answers was another. And then uh, Russ Uman, um, who is known as Firebus on Slack, and, and he was a third. And, um, you know, it's really great seeing the community kind of look around and say, you know, who's really helped us internally at Splunk to, um, you know, get done what we need to get done, either, you know, helping us build the relationships with others within the company or, you know, who's regularly involved with us in our community programs, whether it's user groups or on Slack, you know, it's a really great side of the program that, um, you know, kind of gives that warm fuzzy to the internal employees as well. So it's very nice. Yeah. Three incredible candidates, all three. I hope we eventually have, I'm not candidates, but members. And I, I hope we, we eventually have all three on as, as guests as well. So tell us about the ceremony. Uh, is this like a, you know, it's it's held in the Radisson in the bathroom and no, <laughs> right. no one knows about it or or what? Yeah. So in past years, uh, at the the first evening of dot com, usually. The oh Monday, boy, I hope I hope Radisson's not a customer of ours. <laughs> <laughs> Their bathrooms are really nice. I've heard they, they're, they're really great nice. bathrooms. That's why I said they that. are. Yeah. They're clean. Yeah. yeah. So the um, the Monday evening of our dot com. Uh, conference is usually a welcome soiree for people that are flying in during the day. It's kind of the, the kickoff of the conference. And within our, our source equals pavilion vendor area, um, we would have like a theater that the Splunk Trust induction ceremony would occur at um, in conjunction with another award program we have called the Revolution Awards. And this past year, uh, what we ended up doing is we moved it into a private room. And so it was essentially one of the large breakout rooms that, uh, you know, breakout session would be in later in the week. But um, we had our own food and beverage in there. And, you know, we wanted to make it more kind of like an Oscar style ceremony mm. you know, with the Revolution Awards and Splunk Trust. And and um, our CEO, Doug Merritt, was there. Um, uh, and and he helped present it along with John Sabino. So our um, chief customer success officer, I think is his official title. Um, they were there to help with the award ceremony. And it's, it's always great when, um, you know, the executives can come down and take time with the community. I know the community really looks up to them and, and are extremely thankful that, that they were there for that. But we had around 250 people in attendance. And 
um, you know, just a, a great overall ceremony where we inducted the cohort this year and got a great group picture. And so, so do people that are already in the trust get re-inducted in that ceremony? Yes. So each year like if, people each do year they have to re-earn. Yeah. It's a yeah, term so, license, not a perpetual license. Oh, okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so each year people are reselected and, um, you know, come up on stage and, and get re-indoctrinated into the Splunk Trust. And what is the um, company that we buy the fezes from so I can go buy stock? <laughs> we actually go through our, uh, our swag vendor that everybody uses. So, oh, cool. yeah, they, they help us uh, get those all set up and embroidered and, and gussied up with our, our logo on it. And wow. Yeah. Um, I always, so go ahead. I was going to say, I, I always find it funny because one of the things on the Splunk gallery is there's a, a short entry right now on fezes, uh, but talking with Charlie, um, Charlie Huggard knows a lot of the history about the fezes themselves and has seen a lot of the different iterations over time. And, and I had a fun conversation with him where he was talking about how they've evolved over time. And this year they had, you know, this type of embroidery on it. And, and I kind of looked at Charlie, I was like, there's no rhyme or reason to this. Like we've kind of been flying by the seat of our pants, making it up as we go along. So, you know, it's kind of a history that wrote itself and, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. So, I, and I'm glad that you're paying attention to it, that you think it's important, that the company thinks it's important, that we're, you know, kind of investing in some of these different mm-hmm. uh, community efforts. Um, as some know, like I, I was a Microsoft MVP for a long time and I saw value in being in it and Microsoft saw value in me being there. You know, it was a, a great kind of, you know, a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. and I'm just, you know, proud to be associated and have friends among the, the Splunk Trust because they're a great bunch of people. Yes. Yep. And that, you know, one of the things when kind of looking up some statistics on this from preparing for this, I came across the, the Microsoft MVP Global Summit mm-hmm. and they actually have a regular summit that people attend. And, and we had our first Splunk Trust Summit um, in 2018 and we're looking to plan the next one. And, you know, kind of the same thing at a much smaller scale, but um, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, another opportunity to bring everybody together so they can continue to build those in-person relationships, but also, you know, kind of get that, that inside peek at where the product's going, uh, work with our, you know, product development teams as far as feedback and, and, uh, getting involved with beta testing. And so it's kind of one of the, the perks of being in the Splunk Trust is you get a bit more of this inside look at things and, um, you know, what's happening with the product, what the future is going to be and, and being able to give input uh, as far as um, what you think something should look like or how it should work or operate. Well, I know there's one thing that we could say about the the trustees is uh, they have opinions and (laughs) like to share them. Exactly. And it's good. And they have good opinions. It's not just a lip service uh, type of sometimes. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're, um, very constructive feedback. And, and I always love getting that feedback from them and funneling it to the right people and, mm-hmm. um, you know, making sure that like, look, these are people that have based their careers around our product essentially, and they're using it every day. They're at the keyboards implementing it. Uh, these are the, um, successes they're having and the challenges that they're having. And, you know, we should listen to their voice because, uh, they've seen a lot with our product. Any any upcoming uh, like anything exciting upcoming that uh, we should stay tuned for regarding the realm of trust or or community? Um, uh, this is not like a I know something and I'm like queuing you up to say something like just it often to, is you know, to be fair I, it often is but like we we're talking a lot about like like history and so I always like mm-hmm. to bookend it with like okay well what sure. what's next yeah sure I think um, this next year I can't. I don't have any concrete answers to exactly what's happening next. Oh, you can go to answers.splunk.com for that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I w- probably what I'd say is this past year, uh, we spent a, a lot of time growing the Splunk community team and adding members and, and getting the right people in the right spot to help grow the various programs we have between answers, trust, and user group, for example. And now that we've really filled out our team and, and um, 
have the right folks there. Now it's time to kind of move forward and, and what can we do to grow our programs and enhance our programs and improve them um, from what they have been. And so in this upcoming year, look for a lot of great changes and, and um, growth, not necessarily growth in the sense of numbers, but growth in um, capabilities and, um, you know, offerings, essentially, like how, um, how the community can function and, and the capabilities that they have both virtually and in person events. So how vague, but exciting it is. Um, did we, did we get a chance uh, did, did we, I don't know if we've done an prior episode, but what's the deal with user groups? Is that like a thing that I go to and a salesperson just berates me the whole time? Only yes, you. That's very, <laughs> pretty much wherever you go, Birch, we berate you. Yeah, that's right. So, um, user groups are a great local in-person event and, and Renee Woods on the team, she's in charge of user groups. And so, um, one of the awesome things about that is we really push the user groups to not be a sales marketing vehicle. And so we want to support them to kind of be for the users, by the users. Um, many of these user groups are, are ran by Splunk Trust members. And um, overall, what we want to see is, you know. And, and aspiring Splunk Trust. Yeah, exactly. That, that's where my mind was going to. It's just, it's a, it's a great way to earn your way into the trust is is literally bringing other customers together without the pressure of people from Splunk there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just, okay, let's get all the kids together and the kids can play. Yeah, exactly. It's like a play date for Splunk nerds. Yeah. And, and so, you know, sometimes the content um, is very serious. Like, you know, after.conf, several user group leaders did a, uh, post.conf, you know, what are the greatest hits type um, events just to highlight, you know, some, some of the good breakout sessions, but there's also fun things as well. Um, one of uh, the local sales engineers here in Denver, uh, Chris Croco, he, hopefully I pronounced his last name correctly. Um, he ran a recent user group um, several months ago, but he essentially took uh, video game data on a Raspberry Pi, like, you know, let's use Splunk metrics to look at one aspect of video games running on a Raspberry Pi, um, you know, another aspect looking at log files of the software that's running and kind of through the fun of just playing games, showing how you can look at metrics and log data side by side. Mm. And, and so, um, you know, being able to frame those sorts of, uh, you know, Real I, I use cases of Splunk yeah, yeah. under, yeah, real use cases of Splunk, but under the guise of fun. You know, yeah. I always like those types of uh, demos of the product. Speaking so, of fun, we got a great question. How very cleverly uh, used the, uh, the, the YouTube chat to see if there's any questions. And one that I can't believe I didn't think of. Um, uh, Anthony Ranke wants to know, how do you wash the pony pants? And so the predicate for that is, are you, are you wearing the pony pants? And if not, can you explain what the pony pants are? Sure. So the pony pants are, I took um, a pair of black pants and sewed a bunch of our little buttercup ponies that you can get on our swag shop. Um, and like so the, the um, stuffed, an- like the little, the little stuffed animal ponies. The and, and so yeah. they're going down the sides of the legs. My original inspiration. So, was to, so actually, to clarify for the visual, like. Not patches, which would be appropriate and easy to wear, but actual little dolls all over exactly. your Exactly. Yeah. And, and my, my inspiration for this was actually Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, how he had those stuffed animal pants back in the 80s, early 90s. I just remember the sock. Yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah. And so um, it was funny because I just washed the pony pants uh, a couple weeks ago. And I've been dreading it because I'm like, I have all these ponies sewn on. I don't want them to get caught in the washer and torn off, you know, and how am I going to wash these? And so I washed them by themselves and they came out fine. So good oh. news. The pony pants are all clean for the next time I wear them. And no ponies were uh, no ponies were the lost. washing up these pants. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. How did I uh, jump in? You were going to ask something before. Yeah, I was just going to riff off of the whole video game thing and fun in general with Splunk. Uh, One of my uh, projects in the past, um, you know, helping with uh, .conf is uh, one of the more fun things to do. Uh, 
you know, as part of my job, I've done it, I've done it several times, and I know that both you have as well. Um, but you know, one year I ran the uh, the gamer lounge, and the whole concept was to bring game data into Splunk, and then people can analyze it, or they can just sit there and play games and produce the data, and watch that you know happen live. And so those really cool things that happen uh, come out of that. Um, but another couple uh, of areas that I've been kind of like my hobby kind of shifted uh, is smart home and uh, barbecue. So oh, okay. there's some confluences there of, uh, and, and a lot of people share this interest of, hey, I've, I've got these other hobbies that I do. How can I get that data into Splunk? Um, so I'm seeing a lot of that, um, you know, in, you know, from the smart home side, to, you know, bringing in sensor data, uh, you know, barbecue is like, hey, let's put these temperature sensor readings in. There's a lot of cool things that people do totally outside the box, outside of the data center. Um, but, you know, get you thinking about, you know, cool ways you can mm-hmm. you know, cool things you can do in Splunk where the example data set happens to be, you know, not a router. Right. Yep. Yep. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels with the real world, so to speak. You know, when you think of business data, you know, there's, you know, kind of rubber stamps of, Oh, well, this is just like HTTP access data. This could be like router data and and being able to explain those with those examples. Um, is always fun, especially for people who are very new to the product and aren't mm-hmm. exactly sure where it fits in, or maybe see Splunk as just solving a single use case, not realizing that there's dozens of use cases that the product can be used for, especially as you get more sources in. And so, mm-hmm. you know, showing the bringing of all these disparate sor- data sources in and, and what you can do with it is, is a lot of fun. Definitely agreed. So uh, any uh, la- you know, calls to action, last things that you want to kind of point people at, Jason? So I would say that, I mean, we have a, an amazing Splunk Trust cohort. I mean, they do amazing things for our community, both virtually and in person. Um, and a lot of times people get into the Splunk Trust and, and they kind of look left and right and be like, why am I here? You know, because somebody next to them maybe knows way more about networking. And then, you know, the person on the other side maybe knows way more about application performance monitoring, but everybody is in the Splunk Trust for a reason. And they're selected uh, because of their dedication to the Splunk community, whether that's on answers, uh, as a user group leader, internally within your own company or at your university, whatever it is, you've contributed to the Splunk community in some significant way. It's not how much you know, it's more about who you are and how you've interacted with the community and helped others be successful. And you so know, to, to ground that, I, I remember at the, the summit in 18, in 2018, uh, one of the people there was like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm just really good with searching. And it's like, well, it's that and it's you. Like you are yeah, you it, and you're willing it, to help. And, and, and if they were really good at searching, but didn't tell anybody about it, that they wouldn't be there. But mm-hmm. You tell people about it. You share what you do. You help other people do it. Mm-hmm. You write a blog post. You know, answers. You know, a user group. And it, it's those it activities in of, aggregate. Yeah, of like, yeah, they they felt humbled because they were like, well, I don't know all about the comp files and everything in the background. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you don't. These aren't the like the the uh, the people that like decompile the code. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like you, you can't don't have to be the ultimate expert in every in everything. You just yeah. have to be passionate about. Uh, you know, passionate about it and, and how you share that with other people. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's, it's a team. It's a team of people who have different skills that come together that are greater than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the biggest advice that I'd give to anybody who wants to become a Splunk Trust member is be yourself, but not in a vacuum. You know, become involved in the community with Splunk, uh, help others. Um, you know, it's okay to toot your own horn. It, you know, don't feel bad if you have to apply yourself to the Splunk Trust because, you know, everybody's busy. Sometimes people don't get nominated. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't look bad upon whether or not you have nominations or applied to yourself. It's, we want to we see people helping each other um, be successful. And, and that's essentially how you become a Splunk Trust member. So we we do need to talk about Slack, which we've we've hardly touched on, Ooh, and a bunch what? of slackers. What? What? Yeah, we are a bunch of slackers. Um, the it's it's been a little bit of a phenomena, I think. I mean, I love IRC do, do, back do. in the day. <laughs> phenomena. 
I didn't get it at first. Okay. Uh, you can keep going if you want. Um, I loved IRC back in the day, but it wasn't great for me, the user experience. And then Slack came on and, and you know, fixed that. And then we had a hundred people and then we had a thousand people. And I, uh, you know, I could check probably real quick. I, you know, north of 5,000 people in the Splunk user groups community chat. Um, of course, I've kind of stolen all your thunder here. But uh, anyway, Jason, tell us about what's going on over there. Yeah, so with Slack, I mean, we have um, pretty, it's pretty active. I mean, we have around 1,500 to 1,800 active users per month. Um, you know, it's it's definitely kind of the real-time chat side of things. And so people are are helping each other you know, talk through, um, you know, whatever situations that we're having in, in that real-time fashion versus Splunk Answers, where it's more of a Q&A discussion type thing. And so, um, you know, it's definitely a, a great part of our community that uh, people can join as well. So. so how do we send people to Slack so that we mm. know that we can reach them? The easiest way to sign up is if you go to our own URL shortener, if you go to splk.it slash Slack, and that'll actually take you to a form that you can fill out. And um, within about 15, 20 minutes of filling out that form, there's an automated process that happens behind the scenes that uh, will kick out an invite to you uh, to sign up for um, the Slack, uh, the Splunk community Slack as well. And uh, then you can get in there and there's lots of different channels broken out by topics, whether you're there for enterprise security or help with SPL, or if you have a, a, a new user type question. So um, lots of Splunk trust there as well, helping people out. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you very much, Jason. I mean, I've learned a lot and I'm glad that you're kind of here, you know, building this technical community and thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. And then we would like roll, you know, that the the fade out music, right? Birch? Do we have yeah, it goes it goes like this. Do 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 phenomenon. <laughs> do 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 phenomenon. Hey. <laughs> that was awesome. Um well thank yeah, thank you, uh Jason, was it? Um, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, another, another great episode, another great guest. Uh, thank you all who have been in the Splunk talk live recording yeah, chat. Thanks chat room for uh, participating with us. It makes it more exciting. Don't you think? Yes. Awesome. Well, uh, right. this is, uh, that's it for the episode. Talk to you later, Jason. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Happy Splunking. Bye.